This is History West Midlands. Worcester, in the English Midlands, has played a unique part in the history of our island and the world beyond. At a vital bridging point over the River Severn and watched over by its beautiful cathedral, Worcester has witnessed the comings and goings of monarchs and regicides, saints and sinners, scholars and charlatans, as well as warriors and composers. In his fascinating new book, Worcester Moments, River, Religion and Royalty, author and historian Andrew Reeks, once a pupil at Worcester's King School, tells this enthralling story through the prism of 20 episodes in the vibrant life of the city and its people. In this programme, Andrew reveals how Worcester gained notoriety for electoral malpractice, which led to it being without a sitting MP for two years, and how the campaign to rid the constituency of this fraud backfired on the Liberal Party. He talks to History West Midlands publisher Mike Gibbs. Andrew, why did you choose the title Worcester Moments, River, Religion and Royalty for your new book on the history of this fascinating city? I did so because I first of all chose the 20 moments and then found that probably 17 or 18 of them fell into the category of either river, religion or royalty. And I realised that actually those were the common threads running through the stories I was telling. The river, because Worcester was a bridging point and a defensive point, and a route through from Wales to London. Religion, because the cathedral was the centre of one of the most important and rich dioceses in England. And royalty, because, quite extraordinarily, the city has more royal connections than most places of its size in the country ranging from Ethelfleda and Ethelred right the way on to Princess Victoria and George VI. Andrew, we're recording this literally a day or two before a general election, and I was fascinated when I was reading your book to find that Worcester has a particularly notorious passage in the political history of Britain, Would you like to tell us about it? Yes, it's very unusual in that a royal commission was appointed to investigate the election of 1906 in Worcester. But first I ought to set some context to it. Until 1883, elections in this country could be very much like Dickens's Eatonswill election in the Pickwick Papers, full of boozing, full of riot, full of violence and also direct bribery. And it was really a local man, Sir Henry James, who was a pupil at Cheltenham College, who determined when he was Attorney General to do something about it. He was fed up with what he called a seething river of corruption. And so in 1883, the Corrupt and Illegal Practices Act was passed, which strictly limited the amount of money that candidates could expend and absolutely ruled out the purchasing of votes by money or by treating, that is, by alcoholic encouragement. And I was taught 
all those years ago at Worcester, I was even taught this at Oxford, that that moment had been the end of England's very unfortunate electoral pass and that suddenly we had become as white as snow in this country, a model for democracies around the world. Worcester demonstrates that this just isn't so. In fact, Worcester carried on regardless as if the Act had never been passed. And that is what was not only so amusing, but also what made Worcester absolutely notorious. To have a Royal Commission investigating you took some doing, and that is what happened in 1906. What were the circumstances that made Worcester particularly vulnerable to such a goings-on? Well, first of all, the constituency had only about 8,000 voters, Secondly, many of those voters had connections to the Anglican and therefore conservative cathedral. They were pensioners or employees. Then Worcester had a long-standing reputation for being enthusiastic about empire. I think this is the influence of Birmingham just to the north and the strength of Joseph Chamberlain's influence. And the borough revelled in the pomp and circumstance of imperial flummery, memorably set to music by its most famous son, Edward Elgar, who was brought up in Worcester and reflected much of that local unionism and enthusiasm for imperial dressing up, imperial pomp and circumstance. So it's not surprising that this particular very Tory, very unionist constituency, should find ways of retaining its power, even if those ways were illegal. So what were the events that sparked this Royal Commission? Well, the event that sparked it was the fact that in the global picture, George Williamson, the unionist, that is conservative candidate, had won an election in Worcester by only 127 votes, at a time when the rest of the country in 1906, with the exception of Birmingham, it must be said, had swung over dramatically to the Liberals, a Liberal landslide of unprecedented size. How was it that Worcester survived? And the Liberals, who had been defeated, were very suspicious indeed, to the extent that they had in advance of this prepared by having Liberal spies placed in Conservative rallies to see exactly what was going on. And they were convinced that widespread bribery and wide-scale treating had gone on. So they challenged, with an election petition, they challenged the result of Williamson's election. It was heard, first of all, that challenge locally by two justices, and then Parliament intervened and set up a Royal Commission to examine the events. And what did that commission find? Well, what it found was that, first of all, there was a class of about 500 people in Worcester who were, they concluded, needy and loafing, to quote, who were, quotes, bribable. And these people were very skillfully located and then worked upon by Conservative workers. They found particularly that the MP, or rather the Conservative candidate, George Williamson, for he lost his position as MP as a result of the inquiry, Williamson had handed over quite legitimately £100 
to be used as election expenses. He'd handed it over to a man called Walter Caldicott, who then proceeded to dispense it, and there was no evidence at all of how he dispensed it, except that one of his cronies, one Thornborough, had been found drunk in a gutter with £14 on him outside a public house, and with no evidence as to how that £14 was to be used. When voters, various voters, were investigated and interviewed, it was found that they had indeed been treated by Thornborough and others, and more than that, that they had been directly paid, some of them. Two and sixpence was the going rate. That was usually left on a pub wall or an outside lavatory wall to be collected by the recipient, provided the vote was then cast for the unionist candidate. And so what the commission found was that Caldicott, and it was very difficult to finger him because all his check stubs had been removed, Caldicott and Thornborough had been guilty of widespread illegal practices. And that probably 500 or so people had been bribed or treated. Now, given that the margin of victory was 127, and that two and six was the going rate, you can see that £100, carefully dispensed, would bring about 800 votes, could well swing an election. And it was a result of that that Parliament overrode the election, cancelled it, and Worcester was MP-less, unrepresented for two years until an election took place in 1908. At that election, the Conservative candidate quadrupled his majority, the Liberal candidate was burnt in effigy, and many locals felt that justice had been done because the Liberals had denied them a source of income and had tried to end a well-known fair practice, as they thought it. And was there any sense of shame or upset in the city itself? Not at all, no. They wore it as a badge of honour, it appears. But those who had stirred it found it very difficult. A number of people lost their jobs, Liberal supporters who had made a fuss about the 1906 election. The deduction I have is that though the 1908 election was fairly run, a number of people at Worcester were completely unreconstructed in the sense that they expected bribery and treating to go on. That's part of the game. Well, in the age of Twitter and accusations that the Russians are involving themselves in our current elections, this is a fascinating insight. And once again, we find Worcester in the headlines. Indeed we do. Andrew, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. You can find further fascinating podcasts with Andrew Reeks about the dissolution of Worcester Priory under Henry VIII and the bloody battles fought at Worcester during the English Civil War on our website, www.historywm.com. Andrew's book, Worcester Moments, River, Religion and Royalty, is available to order now from the History West Midlands website or on Amazon. <laughs>